Kia ora and welcome to CIO Leadership Live. I'm your host, Cathy O'Sullivan, the editor for CIO New Zealand, and I'm delighted to welcome my first guest for 2023, Fred Lowry, who is the Chief Digital Officer at TAB New Zealand. Hello, Fred. How are you doing? Kia ora, Cathy. How are you? Yeah, great. Thank you. Happy New Year. Good. Happy New Year. Hope it's uh, off to a good start. Um, so you took up the role of Chief Digital Officer at TAB last year. Can you tell us a little bit more about the organization and what your team looks after? Yeah, sure. Um, so as you said, I took on the, the role as Chief Digital Officer back in August uh, 2022. Um, and in a, in a nutshell, I am responsible for the, the digital experience and the technology uh, aspect at uh, TAB New Zealand. So we look after architecture, security, infrastructure operations, um, delivery, um, testing, the full the full digital spectrum. So it's a, a big role and a very fascinating organizations and uh, organization. And you know, a lot of chief digital officers, CIOs are undergoing transformation right now. Um, and the word transformation is thrown around as if it's a given, but you know, in reality, it's it's hard yakker, it can be hard to do. Can you talk us through how that approach has taken shape in your own career? I know you've worked at organizations like Air New Zealand, Visa, Fonterra. How has transformation taken shape? those roles? Uh, yeah, that's a great question. And obviously, you know, really the last few years, it feels like transformation has been forced upon us. And I think we, we may talk about that a bit later in the interview, but really I liken transformation um, to steering a, a ship or, or an oil tanker, if you want. You know, first, of, you know, first of all, the bigger the ship, the longer it takes to transform, uh, but the greater the reward. Um, and, and really, I think to go through a transformation um, process, uh, you need... You need a strong captain, uh, but you need that captain to be surrounded by by great leaders and change agent and people that are not afraid to um, to fail along the way um, and, and to lead their own people through that transformation. Um, the other aspect for me is you know you need to have a an wearing uh, belief in what you do, and if you are confident in the direction you are taking, then the new team uh, will as well. But, um, you know, as, as you mentioned, you know, steering that oil tanker, steering a ship, it, it can be hard to do. And what kind of challenges or what are some of the kind of common roadblocks that have come up along the way? And what, what can you do to avoid them? Yes, I, I think one of the, the pitfalls that a lot of people are, are falling into is um, they tend to look at the blockers or the constraints first. And for me, you know, transformation, the first thing you need to do as a leader is, is um, really define what your end product or experience um, first. So you need to define what your North Star is and really in, a, you know, in an ideal world or without any constraints. And then you need to, to peel it right back. So you need to think you know, three, five, 10 years ahead, uh, whatever your horizon is, define and have a clear idea of what you want that end product or experience be, and then uh, make your plan accordingly. And some of the pitfalls I've seen, and even myself, I, you know, I've, I've gone through that um, in my career, is you know, some people tend to think about the blockers or, or the constraints first. or so they think, oh, I will not have the budget to transform. Uh, we've got too much technical debt. Um, I don't have the right talent. But the problem, if you think about the constraints first, is it does hinder your ability to innovate and to think outside the box. So one of the, the, the things I've learned you know, along the way is, you know, for any transformation, you need to think about your North Star or your end product or experience first and then pit it right back and, and make your plan accordingly. 
Yeah, I've um, I've heard the IT department being described as as the department of no, um, and uh, it, it's good that you're you're looking at it from that point of view on what can be achieved rather than just focusing always on on the pitfalls. Um, so I'm curious then, Fred, you know, um, what's your view of transformation? Do you think it's just something that's ongoing within any organization or should there be an end date to transformation? You know, do you like to see transformation as a project with milestones and deadlines and, you know, celebrating the wins along the way? Or is it just something that goes on and on and on? Um. So there's a lot of aspect to, the, to that question. I think, you know, my first answer is, you know, I don't believe there is a, a end date to transformation for the very simple reason that, that te technology always changes. Uh, so the tech always evolves and changes. So I think you need to have your North Star defined and understand where you want to be, but you need to be able to, to change tech if need be. You know, what you, what you think your end product will be in three years time, um, it's very unlikely to be what you think it will be. And the other thing is you need to be able to, what we call pivot, which is a buzzword nowadays, but you need to be able to evolve and change your, your views. So I think for me, transformation never ends for the very simple reason that technology always changes, the trends always change. You've got new, you've got new technology coming in, you've got new drivers coming in, you've got, um, you know, you've got curveballs, you know, COVID being one of them, for example. So you need to be able to adapt. Now, being said that, you know, in some transformation, there are some aspects of, transformation where you may you may need to take a more waterfall approach and you know clear milestones and, and a project so overall I, I, I would like to you know i'd like to think a transformation always you know is, is a constant is a constant nowadays but throughout that transformation process you may need to define some clear milestone and and be able to to operate in a more um waterfall approach if you want you no know, clear milestone project base um approach now you talk about celebration you know re, whether that's a, a more agile ways of working or whether that's you know a, a waterfall you know um, project, you know, with you know, set milestone and deadlines, and I think you know, celebration needs to happen anyway. That's you know, that's a great way to beat the culture, um, and you'd rather do it, you know, um, a bit like you know, uh, software development work where you want to release, you know, at pace. I think celebration is something that needs to be done along the way. Um, it may not be a big, big hoo-ha, but, you know, just uh, just rewarding people, thanking them for their efforts throughout the process rather than waiting for the end of whatever project you, you, you've embarked on. Absolutely. And it, it helps feed into that feeling that you've got progress along the way, right? That it's not just this one big mammoth thing that you actually are making pro progress along the way. So then, Fred, you know, as as chief digital officer, you mentioned at the outset, you know, that um, you're really focused on on digitizing TAB. Can you tell us a bit more about how you're collaborating and influencing the organization and its leadership team? Yeah, um, I guess one of the thing is, you know, you need to acknowledge that people have different levels of digital or technology literacy. So um, a key one for me is to really understand where where people uh, are on that spectrum. Um, and and really work you know work with them to to understand what you know their own drivers are you know how they see um, the power of digital and technology and and how they you know can make their their life easier. So the key thing as a leader, whether that's uh, you know at executive level or you know uh, or, or below, I guess the key thing is you need to you need to be able to put yourself in in other people's shoes and view the organization through their lens as well. So obviously the need of a, a CFO uh, is very different to the need of a you know, chief customer officer or, or myself. So empathy is a big thing for me, just being able to see the world through my peers or my direct, you know, my, my people lens, um, uh, be able to tailor my 
my language um, to the you know, to the um, level of digital understanding or digital literacy, um, and really understand you know kind of understand what's in it for them. You know, um, as I said, you know, for a CFO, that's about you know. Um, you know, maximizing, you know, maximizing revenue, return on investment, uh, productivity. For chief customer officer, there'll be more about the customer experience and how to bring people through the door. So it's really about understanding their drivers and what, what's in it for them before defining your own strategy and how you can uh, help them along the way. Absolutely. Essential, essential to collaborating and influencing. Um, so you mentioned earlier, you know, about transformation being forced on a lot of organizations, especially um, from the pandemic. So how do you think the role of CIO has changed since the pandemic? Yeah, so that's interesting. Actually, beyond that, I think it's not about the role of the CIO. I think it's the role of technology. Um, and I think this, you know, pretty very bluntly, the pandemic just accelerated or forced companies to accelerate their digital transformation. So as I said earlier, only really because of the pandemic, transformation was just forced upon us. Um, it did accelerate the move to more customers uh, using uh, digital offering, um, you know, and in, in most cases, a significant drop in, in food traffic. Um, so I think what it forced uh, companies to do is really to, you know, to focus more more heavily on the on the online channels um, as as the food traffic died down, and I can think of a number of examples. You know, there's ourselves, of course, we've got a very uh, wide uh, retail network. But during COVID, people you know really had to change their their habits and and go from um, you know betting in a in a retail environment to uh, betting through the website or through our mobile app. Um, you know, I can think of the supermarkets as well, which uh, you know uh, for most of them have done great work actually changing the way they, they process you know orders and you know and and, and and stuff like that banks as well so I think you had seen in some industry prior to COVID um, you know some level of transformation banking was one of them but I think what the the, the pandemic did is really forced forced us upon, upon us and we did not have the choice but to invest heavily in digital digital channels because um that was the only way to operate for, you know, um, close to three years, really. Um, and I think what we've seen now is really we've seen a, a, a quite a change in, you know, change in habits, right? So the people that uh, that used to go to our you know, retail stores, for example, now they haven't, no, not all of them have returned to retail stores and, and they're now really happy to uh, um, to put bets or, or, or through our apps or, or mobile channels. So, yeah, I think the key thing is, you know, that's really, we, we saw more digital transformation in just a few weeks that we would have done in years. And what it did is just, uh, you know, forced us to to innovate with, uh, you know, quicker turnaround times, uh, faster innovation, different ways of working, ability to work remotely. Um, you know, we've seen a number of trends that have accelerated, you know. Remote working is one of them, of course, but uh, we've seen a significant expansion to public cloud, um, uh, which meant that business could operate with less fear of failure, for example. So I think, you know, to go back to your question, I don't think that's about the role of the CIO. I think that's the role of technology. And, and as a CIO, this is my my role to embrace that and just to make sure that we are the front, you know, front foot of, of that transformation. Absolutely. And so then, when, you know, technology becoming such a focus and such a key part of any organization's success, what do you think are some of the key attributes of a successful modern day, modern day CIO when it comes to leadership? 
Yeah. Um, so I not so long ago I I, uh, I read a, an interview of uh, Jason Ryan. I think he's the All Blacks forward coach. I think, um, and he said something along the lines of the players don't really care what you know until they know how much you care. And I think this is a great analogy. I think the biggest talent for any leader is just a good attitude, just being about being a good person and what, uh, especially the last three years, which has, you know, I've seen, you know, some people struggle through lockdown. So as a leader, really for me, it's about being caring, being open-minded, uh, being empathetic, you know, curious and, and open to be challenged. And you know, these, those are the leadership attributes I think are, are always valid, but I think the, the last three years that we've, we've gone through really brought that to, uh, to the fore. Um, because you know we did not have that uh, that face-to-face contact on the you know, social aspect. So as a leader, there was time for for all uh, leaders to really step up and and demonstrating empathy and you know make sure that not checking on people's well-being. And so I think that's um, one of the positive for me of the of the last three years. It really brought um, that mental or personal well-being aspect um, to the forefront. Um, you know we know some people struggle through lockdown, and and as a leader, one of the good you know the big thing for me is just you know caring for my people um you know uh, genuinely caring and not, not it's not a you know it's not it's not fake genuinely caring for for my people just checking in on them um and being open-minded um the other thing uh, as a leader is really important to be not afraid to be challenged um not afraid to take risk um you know um i said the word the world as it was three four years ago is very different nowadays and, and I think that's been a real eye-opener for a number of people um, and, and certainly challenged some of the perception of the assumption that people had about the workplace or, or technology. Indeed, indeed. And it is, um, you know, a tight labor market out there. There is um, definitely a, a war for talent still going on. So how are you creating that internal culture at TAB that um, really helps your people thrive? You touched on it there a little bit about, you know, caring for people, but how are you making sure that your people um, achieve their, 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 their personal and professional goals? Yeah, and that's that's a that's a you know as, that's a very big point for me is is I think personal development is at least as important as professional development. So the, one of the first thing I'm keen to do is to care is to make sure my people care at some time for for personal development. You know, like uh, I can give you an example. You know, a few years ago, one of my staff uh, she wanted to go back to university, but you know she was a, she was a mom. She didn't have the time outside of work to study. She was busy in the weekend, so. What I said to her, I said, look, you know what? And it was before the pandemic where, you know, Friday was, you know, we had a lot of, you know, some, some time, downtime on Friday. But I told her straight away, I said, look, I think what you need is you need time. And, and you know, time is, at, time is at the core of everything. So I said to her, you know what? We're going to cap out some time and I'll give you every Friday afternoon so you can focus on, on you know, on study. So I think it's about understanding where people are, uh, where people want to go. Um, and, and as I said, having time and making time for your people or, or giving them some time um, to, to grow is key because we, you know, um, obviously in my role is, you know, um, it's 24 by seven um, and time is, is, you know, it's, it's quite a rare commodity, I would say. So having our time, making time for your people. Uh, the other thing for me is when you talk about professional goals, it's making sure there is a story to tell. So I am really big myself on full transparency. So even myself at TAB, I've, you know, I've talked about my goal with my, um, with our CEOs or with, with my manager, but, um, but I've been really good at, um, you know, I, I, I've fully shared my goals to, with the wider digital population. There is no, 
you know, there is nothing hidden. So I shared what my top five uh, priorities are and what my measured, you know, measurable goals are. And I made sure that everyone in the digital organization understand their roles to play and make sure their goals are aligned to mine. So when it comes to professional goals, that's all about, I think, transparency and top-down approach and making sure that people understand what their roles are and how they contribute to the, to the North Star. And from a professional goal, that's understanding you know, what people want to do outside of work and, and making the space and giving them the space and the time to, um, to thrive. So another um, important part of high-performing teams is diversity. And IT traditionally has not been great at um, encouraging people from different backgrounds to consider IT as a career. So what kind of practical things do you think can be done to get more people into IT that better reflect the Aotearoa that we live in? Yes. Um, so I think we need to go back to why we want diversity, because I think that's a, it's a term that's been, you know, I've been bended a lot. But I think the, the main purpose of bringing diversity in IT, whether it's about gender or background or ethnicity, whatever, is really to bring diversity of thoughts, experience and opinion. And so for me, it's about bringing different perspective and the ability to, to see the world through a different lens, which I think is actually the only way to get disrupted. Um, so you know, to put that in context, there are, you know, there are two things or two, you know, to me, there's gender diversity. We, you know, clearly the you know, women are, are not are underrepresented uh, you know, in, in IT in the country, um, even though I think it's changing. And we see there's a lot of uh, great women in technology nowadays, you know, obviously um, Vanessa Sorensen and Microsoft. Um, and there's a number of CEOs and, and great leaders you know, uh, coming through, which is great. Um, but I think there's a lot of uh, a lot of stuff to be done to bring more uh, women in, in, in that, um, you know, in IT or digital. Um, the second, for me, the second aspect is around uh, Maori and Pacifica, which I believe are the, you know, the, you know, um, the, such huge untapped um, um, talent or potential in, you know, in, in yeah, Maori and Pacifica. So, you know, women and and Maori and Pacifica, I think, I think are, are, are two. Um, I don't like the word. I don't like using the word population, but you know. Yeah, people, we, we want people to come through because they will bring that type of diversity, whether that thoughts of opinions. So, which is great. Um, for me, there's a number of things. Um, there's been a lot of activities, you know, uh, a lot of programs. You know, I think Microsoft has got you know, DigiGirls or, or you know, 10K Wahine. I think AWS got uh, Apori Wahine, I think it's called, or the Dream House for, for Pacifica and, and Maori. So the big organization like the like, you know, like, Microsoft or AWS are kind of leading the way, but that's uh, no. After that, it's up to us as a small organization, or you know, to um, to jump on the bandwagon and, and really support this organization and, and bring people. Um, the other thing is is around interns. Um, so there's you know there's um, a number of things like Summer of Tech that um, that that really keen to um to support as well. So I think you know bringing people through internship program like Summer of Tech is great um, and really. Just uh, growing um, women uh, to to IT professionals or, or IT or digital leaders, as well as um, are tapping into a Maori and Pacifica, are uh, I think probably the, the best way for us to to grow that talent. Because you know, I think you know every IT or digital leaders in the country, you know, as as you saw, this this it's really hard to find talent, and you know, like you can't, you know, especially at the moment with the the, the immigration settings, not not fully, you know, not fully relaxed if you want we still don't have the ability to to recruit from overseas so um you know we could 
compete between ourselves and put people from different organizations, but I don't think that's a healthy um, situation. So the only way we will solve that talent you know, scarcity is really to grow our own talent. And I think, you know, between women and, and Maori and Pacifica, they, you know, they untapped potential and people we can grow to become, you know, outstanding um, IT professional or digital leaders. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's definitely a long game. There's no, unfortunately, there's there's no quick fix for, for that. Um, so, Fred, uh, we all make mistakes in our jobs and in our careers. Are there any kind of... Um, mistakes that stand out for you that when you look back on them, they really shaped you as a leader? Yeah. Um, first of all, I, it's okay to make mistakes. That's fine. And this is how we grow. Uh, yeah. Looking back in my career, I've not loved mistakes. I could, you know, I could spend days talking about them, but um, when, when I look at uh, the person I was maybe 15 or 18 years ago, um, one of the big, you know, one of the big mistakes I was making at the start of my career is I was focusing on being busy rather than being productive. Um, and so I can, you know, I can think of a few situations where I was close to burnout and, and, and I was, you know, I was really working to do my hours as opposed to doing a good job. Um, and therefore looking back, my, um, you know, we talk about, talk a lot about, you know, my bucket uh, and my bucket was always between being empty and half full but my bucket was never full. So um, I didn't learn about it the hard way and the importance of looking after myself, whether that's emotionally, you know, mentally or physically, the, the importance of work-life balance. Um, that comes with experience and maturity. But yeah, one of the big mistakes for me was really just uh, I was, you know, in some cases, I can, you know, my background being cybersecurity, I was involved in a, in a number of uh, big incidents 15 years ago. And, you know, some weeks it was 70 to 80 hours per week, you know, sleeping at the office and, and it's just not sustainable and not healthy. And I think as you grow and, you know, become more mature, you just realize that, um, yeah, I say it's not sustainable. And, and, and then you shift your mindset from, you know, I want to be busy to actually, I want to be productive. Um, so it's about goal setting, um, you know, checking, you know, checking in, having good support network, you know, whether that's through your peers or your family or mentoring, so that was one of the big, uh, biggest mistakes for me. All, you know, the biggest learning curve is, is learning to, to be productive rather than being busy and having the right pointers and, and support network in place to do that and, and knowing myself and, and when to say stop and when to you know, slow down um, to accelerate afterwards. Absolutely. And, and great that you've learned from that experience and that, that it has yep. um, helped shape you and, and how to prioritize things. So then, Fred, what's the um, best career advice you've ever received? Yeah, that's interesting. So actually, that's related to the situation I was talking about. And you know, one day I can think of that particular period of my life or, you know, I think for I think for a week I didn't go home. I was literally just sleeping at the office, working on it. Was a, it was a high-profile security incident? You know, we, yeah, not going to go into details, but it was you know it's pretty full-on. And um, and the week after I was, you know, I still hadn't recovered emotionally. I was retired, and and someone told me, you know what, it's just work. And that was the best piece of. It was actually a real eye-opener for me because. Um, Yes, at the end of the day, it's just work. I mean, you, you know, I love what I do. I'm really passionate. And, I'm, you know, sometimes there, there are some days where I will put in the hours and work long hours. But at the end of the day, this is just work. And that's the kind of thing you learn through through experience. You learn through failures. You know, failures, you learn through making mistakes. But, yes, it's just work. And I think one of the biggest, I think that's, um, I think that's a, 
um, Confucius said one day that you know you need to choose a job you love and you will never have to work a day in your life. And you know I think that's that's the best thing. You know I find my my niche in IT and digital, and I, I love what I do. I love the people I work with. I love you know the industry. Um, but the key thing for me is you just got to love what you do. There is no point you know getting up in the morning and and if 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 going to work is a chore, then you're just in the wrong line of work, right? So. Biggest thing for me is, yep, yeah, it's just work, you know. And if you can find any job that um, that you love, then just stick to it and, and fuel your passion. And that's the best way to to be in the right mindset. Great, yeah, absolutely. Great career advice. It's just work. And um, and finally, uh, economic uncertainty. And um, you know, there's a tight labor market and rising technology um, costs. They're they're just some of the headwinds facing the industry um, this year. So, can you tell us what's important to you in the months ahead? Yes, uh, a few things. I guess for me, I've been with TAB you know, five, six months now. Um, so really the priority is to set up my team and, you know, set up for success. So, you know, we've got, we've got a high-level plan or high-level strategy, but I uh, you know we're about to recruit or we've recruited a number of key roles in my team. So as a matter of fact, just one of our uh, new head of um, started yesterday. I've got a new new person starting in a couple of weeks. So, you know, in the short term, that's really about setting up the team for success, you know, um, you know providing them with the, with the right, uh, framework and, and, and goals and, and North Star that people are all steering the ship in the right direction. That's number one. Um, and as a business for TAB, that's about negotiating the, the, the headwinds. You know, we know from a from an economic point of view, we're going to turn our 2023 is, is, is you know, I suppose is it's going to be a tough tough year from a from a from an economic point of view. So as a business, that's really about shaping up the business to to make sure that we we are the right size and right shape to um to negotiate the headwinds that we we're about to face in the next you know 12 to 24 months. Well, we look forward to seeing your team thrive and succeed with all of those goals. Fred Larry, Chief Digital Officer at TAB New Zealand, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you, Kathy. Thank you.